Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee, a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students at Boston's Northeastern University. Every Eat Your Coffee bar is caffeinated with fair trade coffee, comparable to one cup, and is made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. And as always, energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wooker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! She's been working out hard, and Paulie Dinkinson now has to face the consequences in front of millions of men around the world. Will he get beaten by a woman? She's playing a mind. He's got his head down. He's meditating. Ooh, love. Yes, sir, daddy. Oh, turn them children's face. Oh, oh, yes. It's over. Yes. He didn't realize it. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, whoa, yeah. I'm going to tell you what, he had a couple things on his mind besides arm wrestling, daddy. Paul Esop, he's not going to go two out of three. He's going to be thinking in twos. As far as that's concerned, this one is history. Uh, do we have that on replay? Can we see that again? I'd like to see it again. I'd like to see it twice. The winner, Missy Hayes! I don't blame you. Paul E has been humiliated right here on national television. I mean, humiliation has Let's, set in we'll his mind. We'll take another look here, Dream. Paul Lee was, uh, he was looking down, and when he looked up, it was like, you know, an episode of Twin Peaks or something. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, like I said, he had a couple other things on his mind right here, and I'm gonna take a look at this. Now, look at it at home, and I want all you men to think about this for a minute. Paul Lee, let us all down, let us all down. Missy Hyatt has won the arm wrestling. Paul E. may never live this one down. And fans, when we come back, the heavyweight championship of the world is next. All right. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by our good friends over at Eat Your Coffee. Energize the moment with every bite of an Eat Your Coffee coffee bar and head on over to their website, eatyour.coffee.com. Use the code POWERTRIP and find out how you can save a little bit on your next order at eatyour.coffee and stay tuned a little bit later on in the show to learn more about how you can energize the moment with each and every bite of an Eat Your Coffee bar. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only J.P. John Paz. 
And today on the show, we welcome in a guest who's been added to our Markout at the Meadowlands convention on April 7th, the morning of WrestleMania at the Meadowlands Plaza Hotel, as we welcome in the one and only Missy Hyatt, the first lady of wrestling to today's program. And Missy is joining us for a very rare podcast interview where I got to be honest with you, I'm actually shocked we got Missy on because she does not do these style of interviews and is an absolute honor and a pleasure to have Missy grace the airwaves of the two-man power trip, especially this close to the markout at the Meadowlands convention, which if you've been following us for the last six months, we've been building this thing up and it's finally only two weeks away April 7th, the morning of WrestleMania, just mere miles from MetLife Stadium where all of the WrestleMania action will be taking place later in the night. Our convention takes place from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. and all the information is over at matmcon.com. That's matmcon.com where we got ticket information. We've got the full guest list of over 30 superstars from all different eras of the business that will be in attendance at Markout at the Meadowlands, where Missy Hyatt, like I said, a late addition to this group. But you know what? Better late than never because Missy Hyatt being involved with the two-man power trip is a winning combination from my point of view. And to get her on the show and tell her stories, is uh, it's definitely a podcasting highlight for us in our four and a half year run because one we don't have that many female guests on the show and that's not by design or not by choice that's just by the mere fact we like to go back and really honor that history of the business and nobody is more historical and nobody's more revolutionary than the first lady of wrestling missy hyatt because missy hyatt was a trailblazer as it related to access uh, that the commentators or access that the backstage interviewers would give us as the viewer. Obviously, Missy was getting into the men's locker room and getting the exclusive uh, information from some of the guys. And Missy, as a color commentator, was the first female color commentator to take us ringside and give that perspective that she could as not only a fan, but also as somebody involved in the business and really getting to manage so many different people Missy always had a phenomenal perspective on what was going on in each story as well as the matches. And like I said, just an overall amazing contributor to professional wrestling. And in this interview, we talk about her time in Texas with World Class Championship Wrestling. We talk about the UWF. We talk about Continental. We talk about WCW and we talk about ECW and all the places that she stopped in between kind of get the gauge on uh, what was going on in the territory at the time where she kind of fit as it related to what was going on in the territory and whether she was managing or commentating why that worked and she really gives a great perspective on each and every one of those topics but we also get into some of the feuds and some of the matches that she was involved in obviously we're talking about Scott Casey who was also going to be at Markout at the Meadowlands we talk about Sunshine we talk about Hollywood John Tatum we talk about Eddie Gilbert and all these key key figures in her career and how they helped along the way uh, to include the absolutely missed opportunity of appearing with our Triple Threat podcast partner, the franchise Shane Douglas. Now, we've asked Shane about that in the past, and Shane's kind of given his perspective on why that pairing didn't get the opportunity to work any further outside of the ill-fated Jim Crockett slash Paul Heyman TV tapings for the World Wrestling Network back in the mid-90s before Paul Heyman was really uh, kind of involved with ECW, I believe. I could be wrong in that full statement, but this was a venture that the Crockett's were getting back into professional wrestling and recorded this in the first ever high-definition broadcast of professional wrestling, but this is footage that has never gotten to see the light of day, and Missy and Shane were only paired for one television taping. Now, Missy also explains that in ECW, it should have probably been a natural pairing for the two of them to be put back together, but it ended up going to the Sandman, who would be paired with uh, Missy Hyatt in uh, quite a uh, cool fashion. If you remember watching ECW back then, especially when Missy got there, she added to that character of the Sandman and definitely fit in well with that ECW roster 
at the time and it was always cool to see any familiar face pop in on ecw but i think we got to see missy in a uh, in the, in the way we wanted to uh, at that point in uh, 1995 96 when missy got to uh, philadelphia and got to ecw with her old buddy paul Heyman. So again, if you have the opportunity to join us at Markout at the Meadowlands, please make your plans to do so. It's going to be such an amazing show. It's grown by leaps and bounds each and every week. I mean, even as I'm recording this in real time, people still reaching out to be a part of the show itself. And it seems like every single week we're adding multiple names to this show, headlined by good old JR, Jim Ross, the good friend of the show, who we actually had on a couple weeks ago. If you missed that episode, please go back and look and take a listen. And Jim Ross, you know, every single week on the Ross Report, giving a shout-out to the two-man power trip as well as promoting this show. It's uh, an absolute treasure for us to be involved with Jim Ross, and it's uh, really cool to see how the show has evolved, and we've got a great super ticket of football meets wrestling superstars, obviously with Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium up there in East Rutherford. We had to get somewhat of a tie-in to wrestling and football, so you'll get to meet members of the West Texas State University football team, the uh, ever-famous West Texas State University, where we've got Stan Hansen, Tully Blanchard, Tito Santana, as well as Manny Fernandez, who will also be there as a member of the uh, West Texas State football team. He'll be a vendor guest. And again, all that information is over at matmcon.com. We've got super ticket packages. We've got VIP packages. We've got general admission packages as well. So please join us if you're a wrestling fan in the area. If you're traveling from out of town, this is an opportunity to meet so many great superstars in one place. I mean, we've heard from people that are traveling from overseas, from Europe, from England, that will be in attendance and taking advantage of this chance. And uh, that is so cool to know that our show is reaching people in that way. And we use this platform for that opportunity to get the fans in touch with these superstars and legends. And again, it's matmcon.com for all your ticketing information as well as just the full guest list. Take a look at it, just a gander, and see who's going to be there because it's every single era that's basically uh, represented, every territory, every superstar, uh, main eventer, you know, high flyer, world champions, uh, gold medalists, you, you name it, and they are in attendance at mark out at the Meadowlands. So with all that being said, we want to thank Missy Hyatt again for granting us this rare interview. It's a great look into the mind of somebody who every time she opens her mouth, we definitely hear uh, something of note and she's always got something really cool to add. And we really appreciate Missy uh, joining us. It was an absolute pleasure and we look forward to seeing her at Markout at the Meadowlands. So why don't we do this? Let's wrap it up here nice in one little package. Let's hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get it on over to the first lady of wrestling, the one and only Missy Hyatt. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, an absolute trailblazer in the professional wrestling industry, 
She's been a commentator, a manager, a valet. She's even been a wrestler. She is the first lady of professional wrestling. Her and her Gucci bag. Here is the one and only Missy Hyatt. Please enjoy. Let's get it going uh, right here and right now. And joining us on the line tonight is uh, a very fun addition to the Markout at the Meadowlands convention. Obviously, the credentials and the resume of this individual are uh, really in a class by themselves. And we're so happy to welcome in the first lady of professional wrestling, the one and only Missy Hyatt. Missy, thank you so much for coming on with the two-man power trip of wrestling. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And you guys know I don't do that many podcasts, so you're very lucky. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're extremely lucky. And this is where we like to, uh, you know, this is where having a convention like Mark out at the Meadowlands and having a show tied into it the way we do it, uh, we end up lucking out in some way or another. So, uh, one, we're happy to have you on the show. And two, we're happy to have you at Mark out at the Meadowlands the morning of WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, it'll be really fun. I mean, come on, nobody has really the guts to uh, take on WrestleMania in the morning, you know, when we're unopposed. So uh, it's oh, looking yeah. to be a great convention. But, you know, that New York, New Jersey fan base, obviously, it's a rabid one. It's one that uh, when you guys would travel through there, whether it was with WCW or when you were with ECW, people coming up from Philly or going down to Philly from that area, obviously a very smart fan base. And obviously uh, they, just like yourself, would tell it like it is. Oh, yeah. It's a great area. I mean, I lived in New York City for 20 years. I've only been in Florida for seven now. So I loved it up there, and I loved all the fans and going to shows and working shows up there. So I always had a great time. And what's so great about the WrestleMania weekend is you get people from all over the world come. Because when I was at Dallas at WrestleMania in Dallas a couple years ago, I, we, I did a breakfast meeting, meet and greet thing. And the the table that I sat at, I mean, people were, there were some people from Australia. There were some people from England. And it was just amazing to me that these people come over here. And, you know, WrestleMania is such a big event. Oh, it's a huge event. And for yourself, not only, you know, have you been in the business for so long, but you're also such a huge fan. And you have so many great things to say about what's going on in the business. But I, I thought this is kind of funny, and we could have a whole list of things to talk about. But. In the <laughs> the announcement for Mark out at the Meadowlands and us posting the poster, I, I got to say I, I was so happy to see that you uh, you saw Scott Casey is going to be at the show and it's the first time you're seeing him in 33 years. But that's not what caught my attention. <laughs> I don't know if you know where I'm going next with this uh, this comment. Yes. It's it's sad that you said you he was a gigolo in Vegas. Well, what's up with that? I didn't know anything about I know. that. That's what I heard. I can't wait to see him. <laughs> I I love Scott Casey. He was the most wonderful guy to work with. And Sunshine, those two people were the best to work with. And I can't believe he was a gigolo. I can't wait to see him and get my picture taken with him and mark out. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just funny because it ties into uh, the last time that John and I saw him at a convention not too long ago. And now kind of all, John, it kind of works itself together after uh, being at that appearance. So uh, good for Scott Casey. Yeah, good for him. 
<laughs> so Missy, obviously with WrestleMania and everything that's going on, the big news that I think everybody really has on the, you know, the tip of their wrestling tongue is whether or not they're going to put the, 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 the female wrestling events on last. Are they going to main event WrestleMania for the first time ever with the women's division? It's a huge, huge uh, point of contention for some, but also a huge discussion. Where are you at in the discussion with uh, what they're going to do with WrestleMania? Well, let me just tell you this. I don't watch WWE that much because it's three hours is too much for me on a Monday. And then you got two hours on Tuesday plus NXT for an hour. Six hours is just not, is just too much for me. I, I watch like New Japan and Mexican stuff and other things like that. But getting back to your question, if the women get to be the main event, I think that's great. I got to be main event in Texas Stadium with Sunshine, you know, in our mud pit match. Of course, it had to be main event because nobody wanted to wrestle in the ring after we got mud all over the ring. <laughs> but, you know, so girls can be the main event. There's no reason why females can't be the main event. And the talent that they have, oh, my gosh, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, I think one problem WWE's run into is that they've booked their shows uh, in such a way that the the men have been the least interesting part of everything that they're doing, and the the women's revolution and everything they're doing with the division has kind of superseded everything that they've got going on on two different shows. Like you said, hours upon hours upon hours of actual yeah. content, they've superseded it. So in a way, it's like, well, you're going to put the top match at the top of the card, so it looks like that's what right. they may be doing. Yeah, and girls can draw. That's what I got to say. Girls do draw money. They put butts in the seat, you know. But, I mean, as for WWE, I mean, I like my booking long term. I don't like the booking that looks like it's been rewritten at the, at the last minute and constant changes in the directions. But um, I like it that they highlight the women. I think that's the coolest thing. It's definitely different. That's all I can yeah. say. It's definitely different now than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, but oh, yeah. talking about with the content, and you're saying there's so many hours and hours of content, I always say, can you imagine if in you know 98 or 88 or, or 85, if we had this many hours a week of wrestling from the territories at our fingertips okay. you know, and able to consume it, would we be feeling as burnt out as we do now? Yeah, probably. I know I would be. I know I would be burn out if I knew I had to do that much that much TV in a week. I mean, well, when I was in Dallas for World Class, I mean, we did, you know, we worked every Friday night in Dallas and every Monday night in Fort Worth and then spot shows everywhere. And uh, But we had to do TV twice a week, which was great. You know, it was fun, and, they, and I loved doing that. And then we had promos, you know, on one day a week we would do promos. But um, I love doing that. But doing six hours, oh, my gosh. No wonder they have to have 27 riders. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you say and the most... Another pet peeve I have about it is I don't like their scripted promos. Because, you know, when, the work, when they come out, they just don't sound natural. And it makes it, makes it hard to connect. And, and I don't want to knock the talent because the talent's great. But the scripted interviews are just... I, I I like watching wrestling where there's where there's no scripted interviews. Yeah, it's you go, I go, you go, I go, and it comes off as robotic, and it comes off as people practicing almost like bad high school drama class. Yeah, yeah, and then they and they'll no pause because I guess it was told in the script to pause, wait for a <laughs> crowd reaction, and there's no reaction, and they pause anyway, and then they keep going. It's just kind of like, uh, you know. And that's quite possibly why uh, WWE ratings are where they are. But that's you know that's whole that's a whole different world. And I want to ask you about television tapings because you mentioned what you were doing with World Class and obviously all the different places that you did television, either as a commentator, as an interviewer, or working during the show as a valet or a manager. Who had the most rigorous television schedule, or maybe the hardest to kind of get as much done in one day as you needed to? Oh, my gosh. Probably it'd be a toss-up between UWF and WCW. Because UWF, we used to have to travel so far and, you know, be on the road so long, you know, and then do our TV tapings every two weeks and then the interviews and, 
you know, the day in the barn doing the interviews for Bill Watts, and, and that was hard. But then WCW, you know, because they had so many shows, too, that you would go to the TV tapings, and they would have 22 matches because they were taping, you know, three weeks in advance or whatever. So it was a lot of, a, a lot of work there, too. Yeah, there's so many different uh, little 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 shows that you have, whether you got to tape, you know, a worldwide or a main event or a Saturday night right. or something like that. Yeah, they always Saturday had a little, show. yeah, or you have an Saturday international show. market. Exactly. Yeah. So I would guess I would say this because I know you've had a lot of good broadcast partners to dance with, but whenever you teamed up with Jim Ross, whether you're looking at UWF days or WCW, I, I got to say that's a, that's quite the pairing for for a television broadcast but i think a lot of people don't realize i think you might have been the first female color commentator to ever put on the uh the headsets for a television show i was you know what i was i was the first female um, color commentator and host of a show and i was the first one to do interviews you know interviews backstage so i did a lot of firsts so that's missy hyatt trailblazer next time i introduce you on the show (laughs) <laughs> but tying it back in there too with wrestlemania obviously when you kind of had your little bit of, i guess it would be considered to be a tryout or whatever you're about to do with the wwf you know they were only on like wrestlemania two or three at that point did you ever imagine that wrestlemania would have the weekend it does no never in a, in a million years would i figure out that wrestling would have gotten so big i never would have thought that i think it's amazing now I just, I, I feel so blessed to be a part of something and be a part of a business, or I shouldn't say business, industry. That's the new word now. I'm part of an industry that, you know, <laughs> is, is so worldwide known and sports entertainment. It's just amazing to me. Now, I think with the WWF run, I think a lot of people don't even realize that you did have the short stint in the WWF, and you did host yeah, part of your own talk good. show, Missy's Manor. What yeah, happened? Yeah, like, it wasn't good. And you can YouTube, you can YouTube some of those interviews, and they're really bad. They're really bad. I, sh- you know, uh, <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I have to laugh about it now because I don't even, I can't even watch it. My cringe. But can I plug something about YouTube? Oh yeah. Okay, because I just started my own YouTube channel, Missy Hyatt, and it's called Beauty Over 50, and I um, I do product endorsements. Well, not endorsements, but I you know do products and talk about the different products and if they work or if they don't work and things like that. So I just started that a week ago, so I want everybody to go out there and go to YouTube and put Missy Hyatt in and Beauty Over 50, and you can see that and, and um, subscribe to my channel. So absolutely definitely encourage him to do that i love it that's great and while you're at youtube like you mentioned check out missy's manor it was the talk show from the wwf from your brief run there how did you get into the wwf though was that something vince mcmahon recruited you or how did you kind of get in there to yeah, begin with no you know um, me and eddie sent our pictures in and uh we got a phone call to come up there and um, when we got there, Vince said, well, I have an idea. You know, I thought you could do Piper's Pit. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't know. All I know is I'm thinking I'm going to WWF and I'm going to get me a doll. You know, that's all I care about. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had never done interviews before. And in one of the – I'm interviewing the honky-tonk man, I believe. And I go to ask him a question and I don't even – handing that i don't even move the mic over to his mouth i had you know they had to take my hand and move it over because i didn't know how to interview anybody i was just kind of thrown out there you know in front of a huge crowd big the biggest crowds i had ever seen before nervous as heck didn't know what to do um trying to be a baby face which i'm not a baby face and um you know, it was just, it wasn't any good. I wish I could have waited a few years and learned a little bit more about wrestling before I went to the WWE, but that didn't happen. So, but everything worked out fine because, you know, I went to WCW and had, you know, long, long career there and had a great time. And, you know, where I'm at now, I'm happiest I've ever been. So everything's worked out great. 
Yeah, WCW, like you said, commentator, color commentator. You were an interviewer. You were a manager slash valet. You kind of did it all in WCW. Yeah. I think a lot of people remember your feud with Paul E. Dangerously, a.k.a. Paul Heyman. I know. That was so much fun. He used to dog me on the interviews because he's so good at interviews and so quick at interviews, and I could never get a good interview back on him. But he was so good. He was good. And, and I remember obviously the, the arm wrestling where you know you beat him uh, and stuff. Yeah. Was that was that a lot of fun doing you know, doing stuff like that with him? Especially oh, that kind of so young fun. Paul. You know, guys, I got paid to do something I would have done for free. Hmm. I really did. I had a blast. I had a blast. And I think a lot of people will remember Great American Bash 91 with Rick Steiner versus Arn Anderson and Paulie Anderson. Speaking of, you know, main event level matches, they were kind of pushing that match towards the end of the show and obviously towards the end of the card there. So that's a pretty big uh, step up, too, that you're involved in, in a huge match at Great American Bash 1991. Right. But, you know, what? they didn't let me do it. Right. Do you remember? Yes. Because they had the um, guy, uh, I forget the guy's name. It was um, Dick Murdoch and Dickie Slater come out and steal me at ringside because Baltimore wouldn't let a woman get in the ring against a man because their athletic commission. So yes. They had, so when I went down to the ring, they came out there and, and uh, kidnapped me and then took me to the back, but then they never followed up on the story what happened to me. But <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> What was supposed and they to be me on my head, and I ended up getting a concussion. <laughs> oh my god! What was supposed yeah. to be the end game there? Because you're you're a part of the main event. You're supposed to be in this big storyline, and you're going up against obviously Paul Heyman and one of his guys, Arn Anderson. What was supposed to be the end game there? I have no idea. I have no idea. We did that whole thing around the Great American Bash, you know, that whole month. So we did it in all the towns. You know, the mixed tag match and everything. We did yep. it in all the towns. And, you know, I didn't do anything. I would just stand stand there and then come in and, and beat Paul one, two, three, covering one, two, three. I didn't have to do any moves, thank goodness. And um, But in Baltimore, the, like I said, the Athletic Commission wouldn't let me do it, so they came up with having me kidnapped. And I don't know what the end game ever was on that. I have no idea. You'd have to ask poor Dusty. We can't ask him. Right, absolutely, yeah. And it's funny because, you know, you're supposed to be a big part of the show, then they kind of pull it, then they don't do anything. Was that kind of, you think, sometimes typical of WCW just because of management kind of coming in and out and them changing, obviously, her, her no, no, Kip Fry and Watts? It was an accident that they didn't check with the Baltimore Commission to find out if it couldn't be done or not. So I think it was just a slip up. That's all. And then... As you, you move along in WCW, you feud with Medusa. You're kind of fighting over the first lady of WCW. Is that right. something? Is that something that was kind you of know, a big big something. thing? I love Medusa. I think she's one of the most beautiful women inside and out ever. And they so wanted us not to like each other. They really did. They they tried to pit us against each other. But her and I would get together, and I'd be like, "What are you going to wear at the next show?" So we would try to wear matching kind of outfits, but not matching. Like I wore a long dress that was the same style as her short dress, and we'd do our hair the same. And we would do like little things, like you know, and laugh about it because we know that the guys wanted us to be at each other's throats, but we weren't, you know, because she is just a class lady. So I had a great, I had a great. Um, I wish, to be honest with you, that she would have taught me how to do some moves, and I would have wrestled her. I would have loved to have been able to wrestle her if she, if somebody would have ever taught me how to wrestle. But it's the same thing like with Sherry Martell. One, uh, I finally, when Sherry Martell was coming to WCW right before I got fired, um, I was excited that Sherry was coming because Sherry and I were friends, and I was thinking maybe she'll take me down to the power plant and teach me how to wrestle. And me and Sherry can have a feud together. and uh, But I did get to wrestle her in Canada. And uh, it was the best wrestling match I ever had because Sherry could wrestle a broomstick and make it look good. And she did because I was the broomstick. But I, 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 I worked a decent match with her. And, and I'm so grateful for that. 
you mentioned them trying to say you had issues with Medusa, but I remember them saying you had issues with Sherry Martell, so you're saying that's not even true at all either. No, me and Sherry were good friends. I think, I don't remember who it was exactly, but, you know, Dirt Sheets or whatever they were saying. I guess the rumor at the time was that, oh, you didn't like her, and, you know, there was heat between you two. I think they were trying to build that up, and that's why you left oh, because no, of her and we things were like friends. that. We, we met through the Delta agent in Atlanta, and then I was calling him to get a ticket, and she was there at the ticket counter and put us on the phone together, and we became instant friends, and she was out in California for a wrestling show and came to visit me at my house, and everything like that and i i love as a matter of fact i have a picture of me and sherry and a couple other people on my dresser so she's a good girl i feel like the uh dirt sheet's always trying to stir it up or even the backstage people always trying to stir it up with you right (laughs) (laughs) yep they're always trying to portray missy hyatt as you know a a you know, a diva, so to speak, or a villain behind the scenes. Why do you think that is? They're always trying to kind of stir up some sort of controversy. You know, I don't know. Maybe because in my younger days, I was a diva and I was a smart ass. And, um, <laughs> you know, I had an attitude, things like that. But as you get older and you grow up and you learn and, and, uh, and, and life experiences, then you kind of mellow out. But, and also, it doesn't help that I've been sober for like 15 years. That doesn't help. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, but I don't know why they do that, but the dirt sheets love to start controversy. That is uh, the name of the game with them. So then, obviously, you, you end up leaving WCW. You go to ECW for a bit. You reunite with Paul Heyman, and you're managing the Sandman. So you, right. you go from kind of, you know, WCW where you did manage the Nasty Boys at one point who were crazy and wild. Then you get even uh, crazier and more wild managing the Sandman down in ECW. Oh, I know. That was fun. I had a great time. I had a blast with him. Hack was such a funny guy. I love Sandman. He's funny. And I saw him not that long ago. I saw him a few years ago at an autograph session. We were sitting together. They had us together. And he just had me laughing the whole time. He is just, he's a hoot. He is a hoot. He is a, a crazy bastard. We've worked with him a few times. He is nuts. He, <laughs> he's all over the place. I just thought it was funny oh, yeah. in ECW that his wife is in a feud, but not with him, against him, Lori Fullington, with right. Raven against you and Sandman. That's just kind of the genius of Paul, but I guess Sandman is okay with you know, the storyline's kind of getting pretty crazy where his wife is wrestling against him. Oh, I know. Yeah, Paul liked pushing, pushing the envelope, and he did great, you know? And it's such a shame that, that there is no more ECW because it was an amazing place, you know? And Paul is just, oh, my gosh, what a mind Paul has for wrestling. Really is one of those guys where it's just like, man, he is definitely a creative genius so to speak do you think that and I, and I know we've talked about it with some other wrestlers and stuff where they say uh Heyman's a genius and stuff do you put him in, in that category and kind of say that he was a genius as far as the wrestling yeah, yeah. definitely definitely him Cornette Eddie Gilbert um Dusty Rhodes I mean these are the men that I think that are just you know Jim Ross they're all they're all geniuses when it comes to wrestling now you know a ton about wrestling and i always see you tweeting with like about psychology and different things they should be doing is that a lot of it that you learned kind of from eddie gilbert and kind of get under his learning tree and just kind of just you know being with him and married to him was that kind of just yeah innate but i learned most of my stuff from jake roberts wow wow okay yeah because i you know i was more of a fan and uh, when I met Jake, and then Jake was booking Georgia Championship Wrestling, and we used to sit up all night and talk about ideas and angles and things like that. And he kind of really basically, you know, taught me the business. Now, when you actually broke into the business, obviously you ended up in world class first. How did you actually get into the business? Because I know you said you were a fan, but how did you break in? Yeah, I was a fan. Well, I met Johnny Tatum in Atlanta. And he was just starting out wrestling. And uh, he's cousins with Michael Hayes. 
and me and Johnny started dating, and I fell in love with Johnny. And then Johnny went to um, the Carolinas and worked up there for a while. And then he got called to world class, and, and, you know, we were living together, so I went with him. And uh, when we got to world class, I, I was just there with him backstage, and David Manning came up to me and said, hey, do you want to be a manager? He goes, we have Sunshine here, and she's a baby face, and we need a heel to go, you know, after her, you know, to have a feud. And I'm like, sure, what do I have to do? And they go, oh, just go out there and hit her with a purse. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that, you know. I didn't know what I was doing. They just kind of threw me out there, and and I did it. <laughs> I had the best time of my life, world class. Now the best time of my life, and the second best time of my life was world class. And I wish that me and Johnny would never broke up our our team together because she is by far his facial expressions, his work work ethic, his bumps, everything about him. He's a superstar. And it's a shame that he never went farther than what he did. And I know he made way more money after we broke up and, you know, he went back to Dallas and worked there and, and everything. But uh, me and Johnny Caden were, were perfect together. And if I would have just worked with him in Dallas and never worked ever again and never went to UWF or World or, or WCW or anything, I would have been happy. Hey, let's pause for one second to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee, a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students at Boston's Northeastern University. Today, the company is on a mission to get people energized with tasty caffeinated snacks. Every Eat Your Coffee bar is caffeinated with fair trade coffee, comparable to one cup, and is made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee. Pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato, and peanut butter mocha, my personal favorite. Now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real, ethically sourced ingredients. So if you want more information, head on over to www.eatyour.coffee as well as follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Pinterest, and follow them on Twitter and get all the information on how you can energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee Bars. Like you said before, Scotty Casey and Sunshine, that pre feud you guys had, and obviously the main event, Texas Stadium, the mud wrestling match, it's pretty amazing. You go from fan to a huge territory, huge promotion, and you're in the main event. I mean, that's a oh, pretty yeah. huge step up. Oh, yeah, it was It was like, it was just amazing. It was amazing. And I love watching the old YouTube stuff of us in the Sportatorium. I watch that, and I just giggle and laugh and, and enjoy it. And I got to mention UWF. They always seem to find some sort of good feud for you. And obviously Dark Journey was a, was a bit of a good feud for you. And as you're in um, Hot Stuff International, then it was H&H yeah, International. Do you, call a good feud, do you call a good feud of her kicking my ass every night for like eight months? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're the heel. You got to take an ass my kicking. Ass. She beat my ass every night. <laughs> That's a good heel, though. You got to get your ass kicked. Oh yeah, I know, I know. Got to do it. So obviously, you know, in in your career, we were kind of talking about is it different women that you that are that are feuding and, and different things like that. And we're talking about today's wrestling, where they're really starting to push the women. Do you kind of wish back then they had more emphasis? I know, obviously, main event in the world class, but you think back then you wish they had more emphasis on, on pushing the women, or, or are you okay with kind of their status throughout the years of wrestling? Was, you know, we were doing the cat fight thing. We weren't doing the wrestling thing. So, I, you know, and I, I was fine with that. You know, I was fine where we were at. I mean, we got to be, like, semi-main event in, um, in a cage match at the reunion arena and you know that was with scott casey and sunshine and that was so much fun and uh we got you know we got 
treated really well there. And let me tell you something. Um, uh, Fritz von Eric was the best man to work for in that family. I love that family. And Fritz treated me so wonderful, paid me wonderful. And just that whole family is just, I just can't say enough great things about them. And that's what we've tried to do on this show is we've tried to get as many people from the world-class territory on to talk about it because, you know, the people that are still around that can have great stories. Obviously, you've just you've shared some great memories here, but that's one of those things where we try to preserve that part of history because a lot of people don't realize that world-class was basically, uh, television product-wise, the WWF before the WWF. Oh, yeah. They were in like 250-something stations. And WWE was in, like, 30 at the time, in 1985. And everybody knew. I mean, we, when we went to Israel, everybody was doing the hook em horns of Texas, you know, <laughs> at us. And um, it was amazing, the crowds and the people and, and just uh, people know. And, and, it didn't, and it didn't hurt that Kerry Von Erich looked like a superstar. I mean, even if you didn't know he was a wrestler and you would see him walking down the airport or walking in a mall, you would say, that guy's a superstar. You know, he just had to look. And they all had to look. All the Von Erichs did. You know, Kevin, they all had that superstar look. Oh, yeah. Carrie, the the body of, of a Greek god, as we like to say here, we've talked about Carrie many a times with many opponents and many friends, uh, and he was obviously, you know, a sight to be seen. And then, obviously, he made that big transition because he was perfect for that national landscape and the global scene of the WWF when he finally oh, yeah. got there in the early '90s. But Missy, there's one thing I want to talk to you about, and was really the the just the absolute one thing I wanted to hit on with you tonight was that. We do a show with the franchise, Shane Douglas, called the Triple Threat Podcast, and we've had this brought up on the show before, and that is your pairing with Shane at the ill-fated Heyman Crockett television tapings for the World Wrestling Network in 1993-1994. What could have been in that pairing with you and Shane? It would have been so great. And, you know, when I was going to go to ECW, I was originally supposed to manage Shane. And then that's what Paulie wanted me to do. And then Paulie, at the last minute, changed it to the Sandman because woman was leaving. And I was really upset about that because I really wanted to work with Shane. I mean, and I gave Shane his name. Me and Eddie gave him his name because, you know, he was Eddie wanted to name a baby face Shane. And we were trying to think of a last name. And I just saw the movie um, um, Wall Street. And I came up with Shane Douglas. And so we gave him his name. And I've always loved Shane and thought he was one of the best workers, best talkers ever. And when I didn't get to work with him, and I remember telling him, I'm really upset that I don't get to work with you. Because I loved going out there on that ill-fated World Wrestling Network thing and being his head cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a, a natural pairing. And obviously, the affinity that he has for Eddie, I mean, he talks about Eddie all the time. Every Basically, every week, he brings him up in some way or another and, and comes up with another facet of where he learned something or gives him credit for something. And it really was such a natural pairing with the two of you, not just because of your history, but also, the, you know, you, you guys looked like the perfect, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I, w- I would say couple the way you would be paired on television. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. And you know what? I'm just Paulie. Paulie did that was the one thing in ECW he did wrong by not putting me with Shane. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. I've never said that before, but I'm going to say that right now. And I'll, probably Paulie will yell at me about it, but that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, one of the things we do on the show is we really try to get that perspective from Shane because he's really one of the only guys who still gets out there every week and who has all the links to the territories and did see it all and and worked with everybody. And I feel like Shane is still a real untapped resource out there in the grand landscape of the business uh, because there's not many people who have that knowledge actively that he does. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shane is one of a kind, one of a kind superstar. That's enough putting him over for this show. We'll do that next on uh, <laughs> on the Triple Threat. But he also will be in attendance at uh, Markout at the Meadowlands on uh, April seventh. Oh, oh, yeah, awesome. he'll 
He'll be there. But what about those tapings, too, just to kind of stay on that for a second? Those tapings were stacked. I mean, anybody who was not under contract to one of the big promotions was there, and it was the first event to be filmed in high definition. So, again, like we said, what could have been? But what was the atmosphere like at those shows? Oh, my God. Well, I only worked the one show, and so it was amazing. I mean, the place was packed. Everybody was excited. It was it was an amazing show. Is there anybody you were surprised to see that was at that show that uh, that maybe you thought might might not have been on that uh, on that card? Oh gosh, honey, that's so long ago. I can't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's no problem. See, that's the good thing too about this show. We like to dig into the history and dig up uh, some of those obscure shows, but in high definition. And Paul Heyman. So, what is it about Paulie that he likes to be on the cutting edge of everything? You know, that's new in the oh, business. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is. He does the cutting edge of everything. He's 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 just a smart, smart, smart guy. Now, as we hit the wind down button, we start to wind it down. Just got to ask this because obviously you're in all these different territories. You made a stop, obviously in the WWF briefly. WCW had a long run, but where was your kind of favorite place to work? Maybe not a territory, oh, so to speak. But your my favorite, favorite place was definitely world class. Definitely world-class. Was it everything, like the, the area, the travel? You, did, you enjoyed everything yeah, about working that territory? Yeah, the travel was easy. The travel was easy. The fans were great. Being a heel was great. The TV, you know, the TV exposure there was so great that I, I'd go to the mall and I'd have young girls follow me around and going, what are you going to wear on TV Friday? You know, what are you going to wear? Are you here shopping for clothes? I mean, it was just amazing. I remember one time, I was. I went to like, I think it was Kmart at the time or somewhere. I was looking for some plants, and they didn't have them. They told me to go to another one. So I showed up the other one, and there was some guy standing outside with like 10 plants that I was looking at. Oh, Missy, here, pick out whichever ones you want. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, they called? You know? <laughs> they, um, oh, my gosh, you know? And I, I never felt like a star. I'd never given my autograph to anybody. And I did there, and it and it was just fun, and it was new to me, and and after being a fan to be involved in something, it was it was just the best time of my life. Now, what do you think is kind of the biggest misconception about Missy High? What's the biggest misconception about you as far as the wrestling business? Oh my gosh, misconception. Well, okay. I have a problem because I've had a, a bunch of concussions from car wrecks and stuff, and a few times I made statements like I was at um, Texas Stadium when Carrie won the belt from Flair, that I worked that show. I didn't work that show. I just probably dreamed that I worked that show. <laughs> but, yeah, and I've made other remarks and stuff that that were so, like, I would say it was 1987 and it was really 1994 or something. So the misconception is that, that I am a bubblehead, I guess, that I really am a, a blonde. Um, really not a blonde, but I really am a blonde, I guess. So all the blonde jokes that can't apply to me. So maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Looking back at your career, do you have any regrets of anything maybe you didn't get the chance to do or anything you kind of missed? out on in your career yeah i didn't get to get a doll you know mm. everybody's got a doll even the shock master who was in wcw <laughs> got a doll he got a legend doll and i don't get a legend doll everybody gets a doll but me there's a conspiracy at the doll commission that i'm not getting one and that's the only thing i really regret that is crazy. Good old Uncle Fred gets, you know, he falls through the, the, uh, the, or whatever, the, the, yeah, the he falls wall through the and thing he gets on a doll. TV yeah. and he gets the doll, you know, and he was only, the, and he's got like four dolls because he's been four other names, you know, <laughs> so it's like, how many dolls can you have? I mean, that's just so unfair. Throughout your career, obviously you were the valet, technically a manager, a commentator, interviewer, sometimes a wrestler, sometimes a talk show host. What was your favorite facet of the wrestling business? Uh, my favorite time was co-hosting with Jim Ross. That was my best. 
I loved co-hosting the shows with him. I had so much fun. And working with him was great. And with Paul Lee, when we'd all three co-host the shows, I would, sometimes we'd have to cut because we'd just be laughing so hard. Or me and Paul would be doing something, and Jim would just roll his eyes and be like, you guys, you kids, you know, you got to stop doing this. And it, it was just fun stuff. That was fun times. I'm doing my Missy Does the Mail, my little segment. I like doing those. And then doing the interviews backstage, like with Stan Hansen and all that. I like doing that. And Stan Hansen's another guy that will be at Mark Out the Meadowlands. So all of oh, really? uh, you know, all your favorites oh, will God. be there. Oh my God! As long as he doesn't try to spank me and spit tobacco on me, I'll be okay. <laughs> we can't guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, following you on Twitter, you are a fan of current wrestling. We kind of touched on that a little bit. What is your okay. favorite promotion to watch? I know you like Lucha Libre, you watch some of that. I know you watch New Japan, but you seem to watch, you know, a lot of the stuff that maybe that isn't kind of mainstream. You're kind of watching the good wrestling, so to speak, pro wrestling more than yeah. sports entertainment. What's your favorite yeah, to watch? I like New Japan, but I think my favorite promotion is going to be the new Cody Rhodes promotion. But I like New Japan. I mean, as a matter of fact, I'll be going to the New Japan show on Saturday night. Oh, at MSG. <laughs> yeah, in the city. I'll be going there. And then I'll be at Joey Ryan's Joey Ryan's penis party. I'm going to that. I, I want to go to that and watch that show too because there's a couple people I want to see that's on the show. Will you be taking part in the show? Will you get involved? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I'm going as a fan. And as far as AEW, obviously you work for Dusty Rhodes and Cody Rhodes is one of the executive vice presidents. What do you think about this new venture? You think that it's going to be some competition for Vince in the WWE? I sure hope it does because competition makes wrestling great, you know, when there's competition. You know, when you're the only game in town, you can do what you want, but when you got somebody on your heels, then you got to step it up a little bit. So I think it's going to be a great thing. Do you think that Cody will get some of those dusty creative genes and kind of be able to you know, be a good booker uh, and a good writer? Cody's got those genes. That that DNA is already in Cody. Yep. Oh, he's got it. <laughs> now, as far as I was kind of joking that you know maybe you take part in the show, do something. Are you officially retired, or do you have any plans to return to managing yes, or any, anything? Do I'm officially retired. I'm officially I retired in Dallas because I started in Dallas and um, went out there and had the match and and um, they knocked me out. Um, in the ring, and I woke up going, "Where's Sunshine? Where's you're not Johnny Tatum? Who are you?" And I started doing all that. Where am I? Where am I? And they're like, uh, "You're in Dallas." And I'm like, "Where's Fritz?" You know. And I was, <laughs> and I, I know probably half the audience didn't get it, but it was just for me, and you know, it was my last night in the ring, so I thought it would be funny, but. And I had a good time doing that, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do any. I, I'm, you know, not going to do anything at the ring, but ringside anymore. And that ties into our last question, which is when you look back at your career and you look at all the things that you've done. Obviously, the amazing memories, the uh, the territories. The promotions, the television, the superstars, being a fan. What do you want everybody to remember about Missy Hyatt when they look back at your career? Do you want it to be that you were a trailblazer and that you did do stuff as the first to do, you know, commentating or, or, or getting access that you did? What do you want the fans to remember about Missy Hyatt? Yes, I want them to remember that, yes, that Missy Hyatt is the first lady of wrestling. And that's going to be on my tombstone. I, I, you know, I'm already, you know, going to put that on my chin. So, Missy Hyatt, First Lady of Wrestling. That's it. That's what I want them to remember. That's all, all right. I care about. And maybe that I had a Gucci purse. Because I love Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> a Gucci tombstone would be fitting. So, that's absolutely... Absolutely perfect, but Missy, we're so excited to have had you on the show tonight and to see you on April 7th 
at Mark out at the Meadowlands. It's going to be uh, a happening, as they say, and we're so excited to have you joining uh, the fray. So one more time uh, here, Mark out at the Meadowlands, April 7th. Please share with the listeners of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling where they can find anything going on in your world from the social media perspective. Right. Well, I'm Missy Hyatt at Twitter and also my YouTube channel, Missy Hyatt. So you can find me there. And we will be looking for you on April 7th. So, Missy, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight and uh, doing a very rare podcast interview. And we appreciate you uh, giving us marks this uh, time to mark out with you. Oh, well, thank you very much. And thank you, Chad. (laughs) You're very welcome, Missy. (laughs) You guys have a great night. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.